rather fly close to the sun and not fly at all. Mental toughness gets you so much further ahead. Society has done a, a very good job of telling women what they can and can't be. I was like, man, I wish I would record this. Man, people really need to have this conversation. What's up, everybody? This is Nico and Kaylin from Glasshouse Living, aka Hubris 300 and Calypso Tough. So, as you know, last week was uh, a little bit about Hubris 300. This week it's going to be about Calypso Tough. Yes. <laughs> um, what we're trying to do, we're trying to dig into um, each other's lives and what motivates us kind of our story why we're doing what we're doing why we felt the need to start flying on the wall right um but this is about you today so it's my time to quiz you who is calypso tough why calypso tough Ooh. um well your victories we want to hear about your victories oh you're not asking about the name yeah yeah like why did i get the name yeah well, first of all, I was looking for a cool name. I was like something that sounds kind of mythical or something cool like that, which I think Calypso just sounds really cool. Mm-hmm. Um, but I had to incorporate the word tough in there because it was something that I grew up with, uh, especially my grandfather was super influential in my life as far as success and just kind of representing what was the way to make it through life, I guess. And he was that type of person where his his saying was, you got to be tough. And he was so, like, tough that it was just, it was pretty, like, ridiculous. Yeah. Like, I mean, one time he went to get nine teeth pulled out, and he was like, I don't want to get anesthesia because I didn't come here to sleep. Like, <laughs> like, he was so, like, whatever. Like, I asked him, like, one time, I've never seen him sick, and I never have. Mm-hmm. And he was like, you know, I don't get sick. I'm like, why? And he's like, because I'm too mean to get sick. And I'm just like, you know, so he was just somebody that we all looked up to like me and my cousins like we all looked up to him like he was like the the superhero of the family mm-hmm. and so I just really clung to that with that and like also being raised by my dad and being around a bunch of boys so the whole tough thing was just something I really wanted to be in my name because it's something that I really thrive on and it's something that's got me a long way like mm-hmm. being tough is actually something that separates you from most people it seems to be a lot of people in our um, like in our society right now uh, are not in my opinion and so I feel like it's just gotten me ahead a lot in my own life and so I wanted that name to be incorporated what made you view your grandfather as somebody like the term hero you you chose the word hero so why hero I don't know. I think that maybe it was just when you're a kid, you kind of just adhere to what other people, what you hear other people say, right? Mm-hmm. What other people say is life. And all of the family friends, all of my family, all of my uncles and aunts, my parents, my, they were just like, he is the man. Like, mm-hmm. he is the one. Like, he quit smoking two packs a day cold turkey because he's like, I just didn't want to smoke anymore. <laughs> you know, like, he just did tough stuff and everybody just, you know, like I said, when you're a kid, whatever you hear becomes reality right, and right. everyone was like, your grandpa is the shit. Like, he would work every single day. He brought in all the money. He took care of everybody. And so when someone takes care of everyone, it just, they they become the hero of the family, I guess. Hmm. Because actually, you know, I mean, I think a lot of people look at, do you think he went through a lot? Like, that you didn't see? Because remember, I mean, our, our whole thing is this concept of in order to be a hero, you have to really, you have to deal with twice the load that a normal person would choose oh to go God, through. Yes. Yeah. Do you think you actually saw those things? No. 
First of all, he worked seven days a week, 365 days a year. Like, he was like, I'm working on Christmas. I'll be back in time. Like, I make, you know, triple pay. Like, Mm -hmm. I didn't see his grind. Like, I didn't see when he worked two jobs where he worked all night long and then went to work and then worked a second job all day and slept in his car. Like, Mm -hmm. I wasn't even there for that, you know? Like, but that was, like, where it's, like, legend has it, right? Because Mm -hmm. you don't see when people succeed in that kind of stuff. Like, you don't see it happen. You just hear about it later. And for him, like... I think that that's what it was. Like, no, I didn't see it. And, you know, now looking at him now, he's 78, um, no, 79 years old. And I, and I see the toll that it took on him. Mm-hmm. Um, now being the age that he is and all the pain that he's in and his body's totally broken down and like all that kind of stuff too. So of course you want to not totally double, like duplicate that yeah. because you don't want to have that <laughs> as your future. Yeah. But um, I think that that's what it was. Like, no, I did not see everything that he struggled with. Cause even if he was uncomfortable, he would lie. He still does that. Like, are you in pain? I'm fine. <laughs> yeah, I think it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> he's about it. Yeah. He just, he don't, he do. you know? So that's just part of his persona i guess so no i did not see him go through what he went through but he went through a lot i mean obviously in order to be the hero you have to help a lot of people right or in your case it's what heroin for women heroin heroin. Uh so in order for you to be the heroine with an e at the end yeah it's not the drug (laughs) yeah right because we in washington and that shit is like very (laughs) handy Right. But no, it's meth out here. It's meth. Uh, both. both. Yeah. <laughs> but anyways, yeah. So you see, you being a heroine, and if anybody else, let's say we we have grandchildren, mm. and they're going to look at you and say, "Man, Grandma was tough. She went through all this stuff. Grandma Calypso, Grandma Kaylin was tough. She went through all this, uh, or she she lived up to be this. She looked out for everybody. How and why do you think that is that you're going to end up in that position? Do you actually think you're going to end up in that position that your grandfather was in, where he was the hero? I never really thought of that, but I guess if I'm emulating what he's done then I guess I would. Mm -hmm. And it's not just my grandpa. I mean, a lot of it is my parents too, which I haven't Mm -hmm. obviously talked about yet. My father, especially, and like my mom was a super, super stay-at-home mom. Um, But um, I think that people in general, they emulate whatever they look up to. Mm -hmm. And whether or not that's good or bad in, in in the long scheme of things is relative. But when people look up to the biggest drug lord, then you end up emulating that and then you end up in prison for the rest of your life. Um, you know, it, it's just kind of what you look up to is what you become. And so I guess, I guess, yeah, but the only difference is I'm more conscious of the things that the mistakes that were made. Cause I think that every generation is hoping take everything good from what they mm-hmm. showed you, but also change everything negative that they struggled through. And that's one thing I want to do is I don't want to end up being 79 years old, not being able to barely walk and yeah. not being able to live my life at that age. I can do it. You know, so like taking all the good parts and then also eliminating all the bad parts. So I'm hoping that I will be someone that my grandchildren would look up to. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I'm hoping that they'll look up to me in a way where I'm still thriving and living and um, going to Jamaica at 79 instead of right. sitting on my couch <laughs> complaining about the president. Yeah, I want to be telling the world. Yeah, right. that's our plan. Um, okay, so you being a hero and you obviously because he has emulated that that image for you um he's giving you that image to have of being a hero and you're basically can do it on your, your your own right now what are you doing right now as calypso tough your victories right now where you're trying to get to that level where your grandkids are going to say oh um grandma calypso did this 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 what are you doing right now in this current time i think that you know besides talking to right? people and helping them <laughs> 
Um, I think that that's kind of more so where my parents come in because, like, my grandpa was just like, be tough, but then that was it. Mm-hmm. Like, my parents, and especially my dad, spent a lot of time talking to me about why. Yeah. And one thing that he always said that still sticks out to me at this day, and I push it all the time, like, on my page because it's gotten me so far, is, like, feelings are not reliable. Like, mm-hmm. just because you feel a certain way doesn't mean that you behave in that manner. Right. Um, because it doesn't really get you very far. Emotions can take you up and down. Like, if I really did everything that I felt like doing, I would never succeed in everything that I want to succeed in. And so, um, what am I doing now? I feel like I'm just giving perspective. I'm being the example that people wish that they could be, but not not only am I just being it, because, okay, great, someone mm-hmm. can look at you and be like, wow, they're everything I want to be. But I'm actually trying to give the secrets. Right. I'm trying to give, this is what you need to do. And you know what? If it's hard for you right now, that's fine. Um, you need to work up to it. This is going to take some mm-hmm. time, and this is why. And just being very you know, explaining, explanatory, I guess, in that to help people get there. Yeah. Um, let's, let's dive deeper into that question because that, that's a, to be honest, that's a general response. What are you doing to reassure that that happens? What is your, so put it this way, you 10 years, actually, no, it wouldn't be 10. We ain't having no grandkids. FS. Hundred years, mm-hmm. you might be like hundred years before we had grandkids. Whatever, I don't know. whatever. <laughs> if let's years, say, probably. let's say when you reach that age, right? How do you want your life to be set up so that is so? Like, what business would you want to create? Where do you really see the brand Calypso Tough going? Well, I eventually want to make money off of that. Mm-hmm. You know, I want it to be to the point where I don't have to give myself to another company to. You know, because I have a lot of skills and, you know, whatever, all these other things. I don't want to give myself to the company as much. Like, I'm already finding that to be frustrating when I have so much more things that I want to do in my own business that I'm giving so much time to, like, my job right now. Mm-hmm. But there's that transitionary period between being able to be fully self-employed. But anyways, I want to be where, you know, obviously we want to be coaches. We want to be perceptive right, coaches. Right. But there are just so many connections between success in all areas, but fitness is one of them. Mm-hmm. Um, mental toughness and doing what needs to what it takes no matter if you don't feel like it or not like you still do what you need to do that kind of thing but um i just i would like it to be to the point where we're making enough money off of it that i can actually do what i fully love and being paid for that to the point where i mean we have lots of business ideas and um i I hope that by the time i have grandchildren i mean i'm hoping we live in a mansion i want to be a stripper we have plans i I want to be an old stripper though like a hundred year old stripper we probably should have discussed that before you got on the podcast. <laughs> um, no, um, yeah, maybe. I don't know. Um, can I strip with you? I don't know. Um, <laughs> anyways, no, I, I mean, the long-term goal is obviously being paid plenty enough that mm-hmm. we can travel, that we don't have to give our time to another company, that we give our, all of our time to our own company, that we live in a very comfortable situation where I can see the world. I have so many plans. Like, I want travel before I want stuff, so I right. want to be able to see things. Like, I mean, that's my ultimate goal is to be able to speak. But I think that the, that's all something for me to be selfish to want to experience. But I think that the true most fulfilling thing in life is when you help somebody else. Right. And like I learned that already just like in teaching cosmetology. Like when you teach somebody something and you see them have that like moment that mm-hmm. they figure it out. I don't know what it is about that. It's a, it's a it rush. It's a most. rush. It's like, no, it's like yeah. a drug. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's more than getting your own. Like mm-hmm. it's one like I've never won the lottery before but I'm sure to be pretty excited yeah. but it's still like so 
self-serving. And the one true thing that's full, like completely fulfilling is when you help someone else. Right. And um, that's something that, that really makes it, like when someone tells me, because of what you're doing, because of what you have said, it has changed my life. That is why. That is my purpose mm-hmm. at the end of the day. I just also would like it to be better, like good enough to where I can be paid for that. <laughs> and I don't have to pay, you know, yeah, give my no. time to somebody else. Okay. Well, we got the vision. You already have right now your fitness program running. And that's been going well. Like the participants, like participation alone with something that's free is has been tremendous for you. So yeah. um, you obviously got some buzz going around your name right now. But when we talk about heroes... Our mission in Glasshouse Living is not to be fake. That's that's our mission. Absolutely. We want to be transparent as possible. So now we're about to dig into the nitty gritty. Okay, real I'm shit. I'm ready. Calypso Tough is Superman. Yes. Clark Kent is what you would call Kalen. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> Everybody is always focused on Superman and not Clark Kent. Yeah. As you create this image that you have right now, Calypso Tough, we want to be as transparent as possible with who Kaylin is and how Kaylin became Calypso Tough. Yes. So let's talk about your childhood. Let's talk about the origins of Calypso Tough. Where did you start? What was the what was the shit that happened in your life, your childhood? Whatever you want to talk about, the pivotal moments that you can remember that you stored in your memory bank to make you say, you know what? Shit gotta change. Oh, that's a loaded question. Uh, First of all, I have a terrible memory of my childhood. I don't remember a lot of things, (laughs) but um, some of my earliest memories, I remember being bullied a lot. Mm -hmm. Like, I I wonder, I'm just curious about this, whether or not if you have so much trauma when you're younger that it kind of overtakes your other memories. I don't know for sure. Mm -hmm. But my earliest memories really of when they start to be very consistent is being in fourth grade and being super picked on all the time. Like, so kind of a little bit of a backstory. I'm like, my IQ is like super high and I was like good in every single subject, straight A student, like instantly get under, like yeah. understand things, um, advanced thinking. Like I scored like nationally, like 99% of the whole country for my age, like my whole life. Like so that you're kind just of a smart ass motherfucker. Kind of, yeah. Like, yeah. And, and not in, like, an ego way, but, like, literally, it's just, like, documented <laughs> proof of this. Um, when I was 12 years old, I was asked to go study college at John Hopkins University, which is a huge thing, which was in Maryland. It's in Maryland, mm-hmm. and my parents, I think they, they sort of, I don't have the best memory of it, but I think that they gave me the option. But that was, like, because I was bullied so heavily my whole younger life. And I was that age. I finally got my first friends. And so I chose my, my friends and my social life because that's so important to when you're that age, you know, yeah. over, like, my, my, like, schooling and stuff. And so I didn't want to do that. But I could have. But but being bullied comes with a lot of it comes with a lot of stuff. Mm-hmm. Like even to this day, there's certain things that I deal with. I've kind of worked it out because I've been very intentional about it. Um, even ten years ago, uh, I, it was it was hard. Like group situations. Like I wonder what they're thinking. Like of me. Like I've been yeah. publicly humiliated many times. So a lot of my childhood, I remember good things. I mean, I was raised in a middle-class family like my parents were very active my parents were very caring my sole unit was solid um but um a lot of my memories as a child was being bullied being picked on and um being sexually abused was a big 
effect on my life and trusting people and Mm -hmm. being very hyper aware of my safety all the time and that kind of stuff is really what I remember a lot about my childhood which is kind of unfortunate obviously you've been through some trauma you've been bullied or sexually assaulted if you feel comfortable I want you to talk more about two things um the viewpoints that you saw as a child in your family that made you decide to take um make changes in your life and the sexual abuse. So let's start with the sexual abuse or the sexual you know, issue. Um, How did that shape you? I never thought that, I don't know if this is like a trigger warning or something yeah. right here, but I never thought that what happened to me when I was a kid affected me because I was so young when it happened. I was in preschool. Um, a family friend was an adult and I was mm-hmm. four or five years old, something like that. And it was like a, a several times ongoing situation. And I didn't really think, cause it didn't feel traumatic. There wasn't like violence right. related to it or anything like that. Um, not till I was older did I realize that my whole like thought process developed upon that my self-worth developed upon that and then um, as a teenager it happened more times um, which kind of reinstills your belief about yourself that's bad and so um, it kind of made me very wary of men and made me have a lot of trust problems like and you know I know I'm speaking for lots of women and men yeah and even for that matter and you know but women are already i don't want to say inferior but they're not as strong they're weaker physically like they can't protect themselves next Mm -hmm. to a man and so just like that really affected me a lot like that that was i think that was part of why i never wanted to get married that was part of what very wary of men like i would never like i had friends throughout my, like my teenage years like let's go to this party or this kind yeah. of thing I'm like hell no I'm not going nowhere <laughs> because I was just like so worried about something like that happened to me so um that really did it affected me a lot like mm-hmm. growing up and then of course becoming married you had to kind of go through the worst part of uh, taking that because I had a lot of problems yeah you know in that area he was crazy I was normal yeah <laughs> 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 That's the funniest thing I've ever heard. I think that part of why we were able to figure it out is because we both shared that experience in in different fashions, but still kind of the same. Like, you were very understanding about Mm -hmm. that. Because I was with other guys that were like, whatever, like, that didn't really care about that. Because when you get hurt, like, it just, you, you, you can feel it. It's empathy. Yeah. And I think that's what society is missing is empathy. Yeah. But, um. So... Yeah, I think that for, like, me and you, you really saw me because I would hide a lot of my, like, Mm post-traumatic stress disorder situations, like, from other guys because I wasn't, like, living with them or married to them. So I could – I knew that they're leaving soon so I can kind of shove it down, hide it, you know. But you can't do that when you're married to somebody and live with them. Yeah. And so, like, you eventually had to see me really go through that. You can't hide it anymore. Mm -hmm. And you were – luckily, I was very lucky how supportive you were when I would go through those kind of episodes. What things – what, like, walk these people through – because we can remember some vivid times where, like, it was bad for you. Yeah. We don't want to just give them or you guys. Um, we don't want to give you guys snippets, bird's eye view. We're going to be flying on while we make it more personal. Talk about an individual time that you can think of that was like, I don't have control over myself. I know it's, like, very crazy right now, but I have no control over myself. I'm in fight or flight, fight or flight mode. Yeah. Um. 
I'm sure you remember, but yeah. I mean, there's been a lot of times where it's like, if there's like any time where intimacy starts to happen, it's like a paralyzing fear. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I kind of had trained myself to just go through the motions because uh, you don't want to disappoint the other person, that type of thing. Right. And so I would still go through those motions and I would dissociate, which is something you can study. It's like a detailed thing. But basically you blank yourself out from your body. Mm-hmm. And I learned how to kind of control that. And um, But there was times where I just could not do that. And I remember one specific time where, well, many times actually, that I would just leave the entire house. Like it's like right. 3 o'clock in the morning and I would literally run out and you would have no idea where I was yeah. outside in the middle of the night. I'm like 23 years old. And I would like lay in the dirt type of stuff. Like I, I couldn't. Like it just felt comfortable to me to curl up in a little ball right. and being in a ditch or something like I don't know what it was like obviously now like that's not okay but that was just kind of where my some of my um ingrained feelings about myself needed to be worked out and I've been able to do that I don't do that anymore which is really good yes Um, it is but it was years like years like I remember so many times I was like I'm so tired of this like how many times do I have to do this like I don't want to do this anymore right um but over lots of time and persistence and active choice to try to work this out I'm able to like function fairly normally Mm -hmm. now it's not gone but I'm able to really be pretty normal now so how did you get to that point because let's let's bridge this gap you go through battles right um, actually, before I step into that, let's talk about your, your, your childhood with your parents and how that how you perceived it and how do you perceive it now? Ooh, kind of wide because it's 18 years worth. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, just to kind of paint a picture of it, I guess. Um, my mom was a stay-at-home mom for most of the time. Um, and my dad worked a very good-paying job, um, but he was gone all the time, that kind of thing. Um, and... You know, whether you want to admit it or not, your parents subconsciously paint a picture of what your life is supposed to look like as an adult. Mm -hmm. And they do say that you are, you end up becoming attracted and being with the opposite sex parent if if you're heterosexual, um, whether you want to or not. Mm -hmm. And so people who dislike their opposite sex parents still end up being with people that are kind of like them. Right. It's like this Freud thing. Um, and it's actually curious because you said I'm a lot like your mom and you're a lot like my dad. Mm-hmm. You remind me of him in a lot of ways. So it's kind of funny that that rang true for us. But um, so my mom, she was very, very dedicated as a mother. Um, she sacrificed everything for her kids and everything that they needed. She dropped everything. She still does that. And I hope that I can someday be as as good as that um, in that fashion um, however, maybe I might be a little tougher than her. Mm-hmm. She is um, very, very sweet and very loving, and I'm a little bit more strong-headed. And um, maybe part of that is natural, and part of that is from my dad. Mm-hmm. And so talking about my dad, like my dad spent a lot of time talking to me. He lost a lot of sleep. And my dad is a natural teacher as well. Mm-hmm. And he literally lost sleep when he knew he had to get up at 3.30 in the morning. He would spend nights 
talking to me as a 10, 12, 14, 16 year old to curve how I thought about things and to shape my perspective in the way he thought best. And it served me well, mm-hmm. you know, everything that he taught me. And because of kind of um, how he spent so much time telling me, you know, be like this, be like that, you know, don't do this, don't do that, learn from this, learn from that. You're wrong in how you're thinking. I understand how you're thinking, but this is why. Let me explain it to you. Let me break it down for you so you can think about it correctly. And I was taught not to just agree with him because he said so, but why? Why do you think this way? And this is why this is right and giving perspective on that kind of stuff. And so between seeing a very dedicated mother and seeing a hardworking father who spent a lot of time trying to teach me how to be, I find myself being a little bit of both of them in my own self as an adult and as a parent where I give and give a lot to my kids as far as my mom's side and as far as my dad's side. I really try to talk and explain and teach and it's just kind of another like like another natural thing. So it's interesting when you become in a relationship and you kind of emulate that and um, <laughs> you kind of figure out your own new situation based on what is and not okay between the person you are married to because they're not exactly the same. And also I have a brother. Um, he's two and a half years younger than me and... He is uh, HFA, high-functioning autistic. Um, We had a pretty good relationship growing up, except for in, like, the tumultuous years of me being a teenager and having a big sister attitude problem. So um, I wasn't always the nicest, and because I was so high-functioning on the other end of the spectrum, we didn't always share a lot of things in common Um at certain ages, but eventually, now that we're both adults, we have a really good relationship. He's a very cool guy, very nice, very, very highly intelligent in certain areas, and um, yeah, we just, we have a good relationship to this day, but it did make for an interesting time, just kind of for my parents and having two kids at, at different ends of the spectrum, but I think we we figured it out, and we balanced it out really well, and um, he's an awesome uncle, and likes my kids, and we play video games together, and it's, so it's pretty, it's a good relationship there so i don't know if that answers no it definitely does it definitely does i think it's um i think it painted a good picture of um some of your origins so we looked at we looked at um a little bit of your ptsd um we looked at some of the mental aspects that you had i would like for you now to kind of paint a picture for them because this is still we're diving deeper into who kaylin is you know, the battles that Kaylin has to fight every day in order to, you know, become Calypso Tough. Because every day you make a decision to be Kaylin or Calypso Tough. Yeah. Um, talk about the suicidal portion, the meds. Um, where did that play a role with the whole mental aspect? Because we, we support that heavily. Um. So when I was like, oh, how old was I? 15 or 16, maybe something like that. I was, I went to a party when my parents were out of town and I was uh, abused. And, um, it sent me kind of spiraling. And I don't, like I said, like that whole, like, I don't know if I really knew how to think correctly or process information correctly. And um, I went through a huge 
like depressive state where I ended up being on antidepressants for nine years. And I was told that I needed them for the rest of my life because I had a chemical imbalance. Mm-hmm. And I was that was, a, that was like the term. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I mean I was on and I was on all kinds of I was on anti anxiety medication. Like I could name all the different kinds of depression, anxiety medication that I was given and I was seeing psychologists and I was like cutting and like didn't want to live anymore because I couldn't handle my own thoughts. Like I didn't know how to process all of the things that were happening in my head. Mm-hmm. And it was so overwhelming to the point where I was like, I can't even be in my own body anymore. I just want it to be over. You know, I just, I want it to be over. And, um, so I did like, there was many times where I daydreamed about it. I, I did the cutting thing. Like, um, I attempted once because I just couldn't handle, you know, I had really bad postpartum depression. Mm-hmm. Um, that might be partly related to the fact that I got off of my depression medicine after being on it for nine years, um, while I was pregnant because it's not safe for the baby. Right. And so I had to wean off of it and my emotions were really up and down and I really had a hard time yeah. with my first baby. And I attempted suicide when he was like, I don't know, maybe one. Less than one, maybe more than one. Yeah, not two yet. Not two yet. It was about that time. Yeah. And because I just couldn't handle. It was a lot. I just couldn't handle my own thoughts and everything that was going on with us. Like, because we were both not good at that time. Like, no. we were both going through our own thing and then trying to make it work together. And it's just, we have a kid and it was just so much. And it just felt insurmountable. Like, it just felt yeah. like the world plus yeah. the universe was on my shoulders. Yep. And I couldn't get out of it. Yep. And, and it was just like, that just seemed like the only way to get out of it. Yeah. Um, and it's interesting how I talk about it so lightly. But <laughs> it didn't feel like that at the time. Um, yeah, I just, I really went through a dark time. And I feel like it was kind of that spiraling because now that I did... You know, because we, we did a lot, we read a lot of books yeah. on self-improvement and that kind of thing. And now that I have hindsight kind of looking back, I feel like I was very programmed to focus on the negative. When you focus on the negative, then there's more negative and there's more negative and it becomes a snowball effect. And I really had to change my input and I had to change my thoughts. Um, and um, like one thing that keeps popping into my head is I had to change the music I was listening to. Yeah. I was really into rock music, which I still love the sound, but um, a lot of the music that I was listening to was very negative. Because, yeah, and it was re- it, it's relatable, though. But It, it was, was relatable, but then it was reinforcing and re-ingraining the suffering that I was going through. Right. And one thing that actually changed me was listening to hip-hop, which is interesting to, to say now, but like it, the music was more so about having fun mm-hmm. and going out and dancing and going to the club and, you know, yeah. enjoying yourself. Versus sitting here wallowing in all this negativity. So that was one thing that actually really helped me was like changing my music. Um, But yeah, it was just, I just felt like I could not get out of it. And the only thing that got me out of it was changing my input and all those different books that have perspective and positive spins on things. Because almost everything in life is neutral. You decide whether or not you look at the positive side of it or the negative side of it. Right. And when you're already so, like, programmed to look at the negative side, you automatically do that. And it's just you're negative and you're negative and you're more negative and you ingrain it and you become the Grinch. 
You know, it's just automatic for you to do that mm-hmm. versus the other way around. You really have to peel the layers off and move them into the positive. And it doesn't happen overnight and it takes a lot of effort and it's hard. Mm-hmm. But after all the things that we read, and, and, you know, it just, I feel like we're just so different now. And I've been off of medication since I've had our son, which he's now seven. Yeah. So, I mean, I've been off of it for all this time. And do I go through hard times? Of course I do. <laughs> but I don't feel like I need antidepressants anymore. Yeah, right. You know, I don't need anti-anxiety medication. Like, maybe I'll take a drink here and there. But I don't have any drug problems or yeah. like anything so, like that. So, okay. And we also want to try to add value, which means we want to actually help people. As in you being your goal in life. You. Being Calypso Tough, being a hero, you want to add value to people. There are still people who haven't, um, who we've been coaching still through this time, who haven't, um, they haven't grown that muscle to to choose their heroine name or their uh, hero name. So what do you say to them when they're thinking about suicide? Because you're on the other side now. It's so easy for somebody to say, you know how it is. Like, yo, you can you can be like in the darkest of moments. And it's that one friend that come up to you like, oh, no, there's more to life. And you're like, fuck you. There is not more to life. Like, this is it. And seriously, it sounds so annoying and so quiet. Yeah. It really does. You're like, dude, you have no idea what you're talking about. You just sound like you're so positive And you just yeah. don't understand, yeah. like. What I'm going through. No, yeah, it's very, um, it's, it's, it's a long way. Like when you show somebody from here to here, like the person's just like, this is not relatable. Right. You can't hear it. And when people would try to give me positive perspective, they were too far on this side. I needed more connection first. And so I feel like one thing that can help is the fact that you have to hear that somebody has been through that kind of stuff. Like if somebody has just been positive their whole life, right. um, it doesn't feel like they can help you. Like they might even be able to, but it really doesn't feel like that. Mm -mm. But when it's from somebody who's like, look, I have a permanent scar, you know, from trying to like end the situation. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I've been there, right? you know, and, and it was, and it was not easy. I mean, this is years, but I am so like, I can't explain the gratefulness I have for life now. I think because of the valleys. Yeah. You experience, you just, you're able to have that wide perspective of how appreciative you are of where you are now Mm -hmm. and how bad it really can be and how it's not that bad compared to what it's been if you're able to make it out. So as far as like giving people advice, like if they're really that deep in it, first of all, I'm not a psychiatrist. I'm not, um, if people really have serious, I'm not qualified for that. But that being said, I just think that like. Disclaimer. Right. If if people are really that deep, uh, then they need to let me know, and I can refer to them them to information. Yeah. They have to be willing to go through the information. Yeah. And I have noticed that you know I've heard that only three percent of people have a library card. Okay. Well, I mean you can buy books online. Need a library card, yeah. but people don't like to read because textbooks in school turn people off to reading. But seriously. Like, it sounds so corny, but coming, I hope that people believe me, coming from where I've come from, reading self-improvement books is so pivotal. I can't use any more emphasis in my voice to try to get this <laughs> message over. It's so yes. huge. Yes. Not not listening, reading. Yes. Reading. Reading the same situation, but just a 
different perspective that takes you a little bit on this other yeah. side that eventually gets you way further on the other side. It's so huge. So depending on the person's suffering, depending on their situation, right. we have resources that mm-hmm. we can um, offer. But I just feel like that sounds so um, cliche. But it's, it's cliche for a reason. A reason. It really yep. changes <laughs> yep. so much. Like, obviously, if it literally almost basically saved my life, yeah. I am that passionate about talking about information. Yeah. And um, just the different books that we went through. Like, mm-hmm. look at us now. Like, literally, we went from putting holes in the wall and putting holes on top A of holes. holes in the wall. Printing divorce papers and just like yeah. threatening to kill ourselves, like to each other. Like, I mean, we went from that yeah. to where the only thing we really fight about now is how to parent our kids. Um, <laughs> I mean, we really like, we rarely, like, the only time we really ever fight is if you want to like talk out the side of your neck at me. Whatever. I can't handle that. Yeah, no problem. Shit too. Okay. <laughs> That's not a start. Oh, um, <laughs> but we're like, we're just so much different now, basically what I'm trying to say, like because of information. Yeah. And so I have lots of information for people if they want some help. Right. <laughs> so the reason why a lot of people, they usually start, a lot of people, they usually start with, you know, your story, how did to be honest, everybody wants the glorious story and they don't want to tell the dirty truths about their shit. <laughs> okay, look. I want to draw a picture for them of what's on the other side. So let's go from marriage back then to marriage now. And then we're going to go from you're thinking um, about money then to now. Okay. So... Let's start off with a little game, wins and losses. You're thinking of marriage back then to now. Well, first of all, I didn't want to get married. Mm-hmm. And I told you that I didn't want to get yeah, married. I wouldn't have that shit. You started bringing it up after like a month, which is kind of psycho. <laughs> which was, a, yeah, okay. Um, I didn't want to get married, but I really did. But I just didn't want to in this day and age because I didn't think anyone respected it the way it should be respected. Both of my parents were married, and I knew what it would take and I took. And I didn't think that anyone, anyone in this day and age had that kind of muscle. Right. So I didn't even want to go there. Um, that being said, marriage at first was like that romantic Twitter-painted experience where, you know, we were like so in love. We got married. Yep. It was just like, oh, my God, it's so great. And then um, the Twitter painted stuff goes away, and you're left with, you know, in our case, people that have mental problems and yeah. uh, emotional problems and medication and all kinds of stuff that um, made it very colorful. <laughs> and um, I just remember complaining to you a lot, and you probably remember this, mm-hmm. like, we're not the way we used to be anymore. Yeah. yeah. We used to be, but I didn't know what I was talking about, because now that I have education, it's like... Um, that Twitter-painted feeling is literally a survival mechanism yeah. that only lasts 24 months, yeah. damn near. And um, my expectation was I was hoping it was going to last forever, like most people's. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but so at that point, I was very disappointed. I'm young. Like, I, I was disappointed that it was gone. And I just, like, I was very unhappy about that. And I'm sure you were too, you know. Like, it just wasn't the way that it was. And it was like, you know what, maybe we shouldn't have done this. Yeah. 
Yeah, and was. I was right all along about marriage, and I t- shouldn't have done it in the first place, and I told you I didn't want to do it, and now it's showing you why I didn't want to do it. Mm-hmm. And, like, kind of rubbing that in, yeah. which is not helping. <laughs> no. but um, it versus was, now it was it's necessary. Right, but now it's very different yeah. because now we understand, you know, agape love, which is something mm-hmm. that you should read about, which is in the Love Languages book, which is a very, very informational book. Yeah. Um, and how that, that um, I don't know how else to explain that, mature love, old love, that OG love, I don't know how else to explain <laughs> it, is so different. And um, it's calm and mature and accepting and um, it chooses its battles yeah. and it respects differences and very, that kind of thing. Um, and so marriage now is very nice to me mm-hmm. and I just really don't want to go back to dating ever again. I'd rather not go through that again. <laughs> that does not sound yeah. fun at all. Um but we're always dating because we're always like right, but I mean someone Yeah, dating. yeah, I know like, she's like I don't feel like starting yeah. over like that just sounds right. very not fun. Yeah. So yeah, no, it was it was great and then it was not what I hoped and then now it is. So Kaylin to Calypso Tough. Right, you're Kaylin, then you become a heroine. If you could say anything to the to the people that's listening right now, on what was the biggest change, the shift, the paradigm shift in your mentality to get you to go from Kaylin to put on that cape, I guess your tights, where you wear tights in the gym, I like that. But um, you know, to put on your your costume and say, I want to be Calypso Tough. This is what this is an example I'm going to set for others. What was that shift in your mindset that you can get other people to realize that they have that they have that ability to? What do you think will help other people shift their thinking to to bring out the best in them? I have a hard time answering that question because I feel like even though I made a lot of adjustments. I feel like because of kind of my upbringing, I was still always like that. Like, Mm -hmm. I don't feel like the difference between Kaylin and Calypso Tough is that different for me. Mm -hmm. Because I am very transparent and I'm still me. And I I don't just only show the good parts of me on, like, I show the Kaylin side of me all the time Mm -hmm. on my page. So uh, that's kind of a hard question for me to answer because I don't feel like I have two different personas. I feel like it is all one. Well, it, it is, but it's an elevated state, and that's the state that's the state that people choose to see. It. They always try to separate the two. They never want to take the the good, the bad. They just want to take the good. That's why they choose a superhero. So, in order for you, like I said, for your family, when they obviously, which I want to have our mantle like pictures of us naked and yeah, mantle piece, uh, whatever you can be naked. We want port. I want portraits built of us, right? Because of significant value. Uh huh. It's my selfish shit. But for you, when your grandchildren think of you and how you are a heroine in their eyes, what will be the greatest advice you can give them so they can bring that out of them? Because everybody has it in them. It's just them choosing to pull it out. I don't know. Just like constantly learning. I don't know. I mean... They say that the prefrontal cortex doesn't even develop until you're 25. Mm-hmm. And even then, I mean, you know people that are 70 who still haven't grown up. Yeah. 
So it's not about time. It's about reflection on time. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's about learning. I mean, one thing that my dad always told me when I was a kid that I feel like really helped me that I will tell my children is pay attention to other people and learn as much as you can from other people's Mm -hmm. mistakes instead of making them yourself. Right. Um, Of course, some things you have to make your own mistakes because that's the only way you really truly learn is when you have to suffer those consequences. Mm -hmm. However, making sure that those consequences aren't super extreme, like going to jail for 25 years or something like that. Um, But just things like that, like constantly learning, constantly Um, Wanting to improve. One thing that I could give them a piece of advice that I had a harder time with is admitting I was wrong. And being aware that we are always growing. And that's something that I really try to push on to my kids is that it's okay if you're making a mistake. It's okay if you're not perfect. Mm -hmm. Please keep trying. Because um, uh, the first time you stood up and walked, you didn't just walk and never fall again. Like you fell and fell and fell and fell and fell and fell and fell. And that's Mm -hmm. human behavior. And the only way you get better is if you keep falling. And that was something that wasn't really told to me, not that I recall. Um, And so I had a hard time with perfectionism a lot. Mm -hmm. That was a huge problem for me. Still is a little bit, but I've relaxed a lot on that. And so I feel like I would just tell them, you know, be okay with the process. Learn what you can. Be patient with growing older, but always reflect on what you've experienced. Because you don't learn, like I said, you don't learn from experience. You learn from reflection on experience. Right, right. Because um, like I said, I know people who are much older than me who still do 15-year-old yeah, yeah, things. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it's not about age no, per se. It's no. about reflection. I, I, I was told even at... 20 years old by 50, 60 year olds. Wow, you, I wish I knew as much as I did yeah. when I was the age that you are they now. Kind of shit, oh, so, well, yeah. You gotta, oh, yeah, so, yeah. like you've been here before. Yeah. Okay, well, it seems like patience is something that um, everybody's gonna need in order to really reach that level they wanna reach, whatever vision they have, if they actually pursue it. You're going to need patience. Um, So do you think you'll ever stop? Do you think you'll ever stop trying to motivate and help others? Do you think you'll ever stop trying to um, make as as huge an impact in the fitness world as you can? Do you think you'll ever stop? I mean, it's hard for me to predict the future, but I do not see that happening. (laughs) Like I was telling you the other night. It's probably, I probably used the wrong words. The words that I told you was, I have a problem. No, I don't that. But I don't think that it's a problem. Mm-hmm. But the words I said to you was, if I was to be flying on the wall, because I was like, I have a problem mm-hmm. with constantly needing to help other people. Like, I was born, like, if you ask my parents, like, I was born trying to tell somebody how to do something. Yeah. And not in a bossy way, mm-hmm. but in a, let me explain to you, I have a better way of doing this that yeah. can help you and make it easier yeah. for you. And yeah. I learned this. And here, like, here's this information. Like, I don't, it's in, it's in my soul. Like, I was just, I feel like that that is my purpose. Like, a lot of people want to know their purpose or they know their purpose or whatever. My purpose is to every person, and this is something Will Smith said that I just cling to this so much. Every person that you come in contact with, if you don't make their life better, then you're wasting your time. Like, I have to. Within five, and I'm probably almost annoying, to be honest. (laughs) Where 
If I talk to someone within 10 minutes, I'm trying to advise them somehow. <laughs> like, I'm like, no, 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 let me tell you how this is better. I promise you I'm trying to help you. Like, and I, and I do it in such a way where I'm not trying to, like, I'm not going yeah, to bossy. No. Like, I just, it's like that wisdom, you know, that you just want to prevent other people from going through shit that you went through. Like, right. let me tell you why you don't have to go through this. Like, I don't know. It's just, for me, it was what I was born to do. Like I was telling you last night, I feel like there is a black hole Mm -hmm. inside of my body for helping people. And I feel like no matter what I do, it never fills. Yeah. Every single day, I'm like, what can I do to motivate somebody else? And of course, a great side effect is... I get my results. Mm-hmm. But it's not what it's about for me. It's about showing other people you can do this. And in my experience, like, so I'm a woman. It's harder for women. I'm a mother. And, you know, you got the, the, the loose skin and all that. Like, so when it comes to health and fitness, like, look, I know how hard it is to have kids and have a husband and work and try to be fit and try to balance it and try to do... And it's like, but you can do this. Let me show you how you can do it because I figured it out. Like, I want to, like, that's just my experience. And um, it was already something that was a passion of mine since I was about 20, like health and fitness already. Mm -hmm. And so it was just kind of my need to help people plus my passion for health and fitness kind of joined itself mm-hmm. and now i'm just like neurotic about this like about this thing to try to help people uh, i think that's great i think where we're at right now um our our everything we've been through everything you've been through is and how you're choosing to look at it in a sense of it's not happening you know to me it's happening for me like, I asked for this. In order to be great, you're going to be tested. And you've definitely been tested. And you continue to grow. You continue to, to you know, uh, lose some battles. You know, take your lumps. But you get back up. And you continue to press forward to win the war. And I think that's... Um, that's all you can do. That, yeah. Because that, everyone falls down. That is Calypso Tough. It's allowing yourself to fall up, fall down, and get back up. Yeah. That is Calypso Tough. And... Um, I'm I'm really like happy and proud like to have you on my side. Aww. Like not in, <laughs> no for real not I, I mean this like I want people to hear this. I don't look at you as never have looked at you as like wife. It's like you're my partner, yo. Oh. <laughs> and we you and and for us to be as dynamic as we are and genuine as we are. It's because we both want the best for each other. Right. And to see you grow from where you've been, you know, what you've been through from you, uh, from me having to have you close your eyes in a parking lot, you know, when you went through a PTSD moment. Ah, uh, yes. Yeah. I do remember that. Like, that was a serious time. I had to literally, you know, we walked for like probably five minutes in the parking lot with your eyes closed. So I can tell you, yo, I got you. Like, you're not in it alone. Yeah, that was our first apartment. Yeah. We, that we had together. We were brand new. I don't even know if we were married yet. No. No. Yeah, yes. We were? Barely. Um, We got married in that house, actually. So maybe we weren't, but we got married in that house. Yeah. Because we were having BA to pay for the Mm -hmm. rent. I remember that. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I had a bad episode, ran outside, and you made me close my eyes, hold your hand, and not look, and let you guide me through 
the parking lot to show that you like that you could guide me right or something like that. Like I was on some corny romantic shit, but that shit worked. I felt for it, (laughs) unfortunately. But it was how I felt. It felt I I take my my role or you know um, my purpose serious. Like I wanted to be with you, and I need to make sure you know I want to be with you. And at the end of the day, you know, I want to make sure that I, you feel comfortable enough with me taking lead. And in order for that to happen, I had to feel comfortable enough for you to take lead. As crazy as it is, because you didn't help me through many things. As far as you've come, there's been a lot of times that I've been down that I don't think I would have made it out if I didn't have you in my corner. Well, yeah, I mean... My personality is naturally pretty dominant. Mm-hmm. And because of kind of everything that you were going through and kind of like even though you were you are so smart and you are so like you're going to be huge in in your life. Um at that specific time, you you your behavior did not match with your belief system. Mm-hmm. And I naturally took that dominant role in our marriage for a long time. Yeah. And when you became more responsible and more mentally sound and we grew, there was a transitionary period where I had to kind of learn how to be the neck that turns the head instead Mm -hmm. of the head. And there was some head and head in the house (laughs) where we had some issues there. Yeah. But, um, yeah, yeah, in the beginning, I was more so like on the mentoring side for you when Mm -hmm. you were trying to punch everyone in the face and yeah. drink to be drunk and throw up all over people's tables. <laughs> Whatever. And or in people's faces. You want someone's face? In the fucking car. We won't say no names. Oh, <laughs> yeah, 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 You did do that. Oh, my yeah. God. That was inappropriate. Yeah. Um, yeah, so, I mean, all those things that you were doing. Yeah. And, um, yeah, drinking a fifth of... Right. Yeah. We won't go there. But, uh... <laughs> yeah. yeah, so, um... But you, you have. I'm, 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 I'm very proud of for real. I am proud of everything. Like, it's harder for us. I feel like this year to really take the time to appreciate. We do, but to say it, like, you know, we really be grinding. So it's like, all right, I see you, but I see you. I love you. Ah, but like, you know, like, I'm happy we in this race together. Like together. Yeah. Not like you doing paperwork shit. Like, no, we bouncing off ideas. Yeah, it's pretty fun. You know, it's fun. It's fun right now. I'm excited. Yeah. But I'm also excited and, and happy that whoever's listening to this has been rocking with us um, since the first podcast, even before when it was just GHL. Um, I hope that we giving y'all, you know, as much of a perspective into our life, um, being flies on the wall so that you guys can grow. Hopefully we add a value, you guys. Hopefully us being open and transparent is enough to push you to, to continue to go forward with your dreams and your aspirations. This is something that we believe everybody can do. If you have a story, if you have a purpose, if you feel that you can do good in this world, the difference between doing and not doing is simple as I just said it. You have to do it. You have to go and be great because it's in you. You made it. You already won. You have a billion dollar bank account. Once you choose to believe it. 
from the day you are born, you have a billion dollar bank account. So um, like and subscribe. Um, Calypso Tough, as you can see, yo, she didn't just pour her heart out to you guys. And um, we know that there's somebody out there, some woman out there that needs to hear what Calypso Tough Kaylin is talking about. So we would appreciate it if you guys share it, not for the sake of you. If you don't like my voice and I sound raspy or I sound disgusting, that's fine. But somebody need to hear what she said. Somebody need to hear that they, they as a woman, have a, as a, has a voice in society. So uh, thank you all for rocking. We love you all. And we out.